episode 853. The Green Bay Packers are getting healthier, although the offensive line is still in a quandary. To discuss the situation, we talked to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. Today we're looking back at a week three win over the Bengals and ahead to week four against the Chicago Bears. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com, who joins us every Wednesday during the season. Nathan, how you doing? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? Very good. We're glad to have you back on the show, recapping a Packers win over the Cincinnati Bengals. And I, I kind of want to take a look back here uh, at and, and tie this into recent news, Nathan, we have Kyle Murphy going on injured reserve. Now that his season is at least potentially over, what did we learn about him in his first extensive NFL regular season action? I'd say it's a little difficult to tell what we've learned outside of he wasn't quite ready to play left tackle yet. Uh, he played really well in that first game against Seattle when he was still at right tackle. But now I've seen that Cliff Averill hasn't played as well in any of his first three games. So I'm not sure how much of that was Murphy playing well versus Cliff Averill's just having a slow start to the season. And then since then, at left tackle, he's had a little bit of struggles in pass protection. Um, the one consistent thing that he's had in all three games is run blocking. He's stayed right around average in all three games or a little above average. So uh, we do know that Effie's called upon again assuming he becomes fully healthy again, that he'd be able to be a decent run blocker. But um, assuming he has a full recovery, I think he's definitely shown enough that he deserves to continue to be a backup for the Packers going forward. But it's only really been the game against Seattle where you could consider him as potentially a future starter for the team. Yeah, it's been tough to tell what the Packers have exactly in Kyle Murphy. I would agree with that. We do need a longer look at some point. Um, Nathan, what is the scoop on Ulrich John, uh, who the Packers signed off the Cardinals practice squad? He previously played for both the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Sure. He's had uh, 30 snaps in 2015 as a left tackle in one game with the Dolphins. And then on 2016, three games starting at right tackle for the Cardinals. Um, in the regular season, he's actually been pretty similar to Kyle Murphy and how he's graded out. In um, run blocking, he's been right around average and then having a little bit of trouble in pass protection as well. Uh, those three games in 2016, he allowed at least one sack, at least one hit, and at least two hurries in each of those games. Um, in the preseason, he's seen extensive action at left tackle earlier in his career, and then once he joined the Cardinals at right tackle. Um, preseason, his numbers looked fairly similar to the regular season, except they were just better. So he was looking really good as a run blocker and then average as a pass protector, but he was facing backups in those games. So um, certainly worse options for the Packers to have at tackle, but it wouldn't be ideal if he needs to see playing time early on. 
Yeah, especially with the lack of preparation time and, and familiarity with the Packers system. But he is versatile. He can play either left or right tackle. That's uh, uh, good news for him. Um, Nathan, how did Brian Balaga look against the Bengals in his return from injury? I know he kind of had a setback there during the Bengals game, but how did he look at least after coming away from that initial ankle injury? He didn't look as good as he usually does, but he definitely looked better than what the Packers have been seeing at tackle these last two games. So um, even if he's still at that level, it's good to still have him out there. Uh, he allowed five pressures in the game, which is tied for the most of what he had all of last year, which doesn't sound good. But all of them were late enough in the play that it didn't hurt the offense too much that he allowed it just um, early enough in the play that it was still uh, Bulaga to blame rather than Rodgers holding on to the ball too long. So um, in the run game, he was average, which is uh, typical for what he was late last year. So um, it's really just the pass protection where he allowed a couple more pressures than he typically would. But um, if he can play that well again, it's definitely worth having him start against the Bears. Fingers crossed that he'll be healthy enough in time to play by tomorrow. A lot of offensive line talk to start the show, but we'll move on here. Nathan, how how did Aaron Rodgers grade out after throwing a pick six, but also leading the team on a game-winning drive in overtime? Kind of a little bit of good and bad there. Yeah, at halftime, things weren't looking good. He was accurate on just 60% of the passes in the first half, averaging less than five yards per attempt, had that interception. So at halftime, his grade wasn't very good. But then the second half and overtime more than made up for it. Um, and over that time period, he completed 19 of 27 passes, which in itself is impressive. But of those eight incompletions, uh, three of them were intentionally thrown away and another three were dropped. So he was really accurate on nearly all of his passes and over 27 passes. That's really impressive. So um, in terms of grades, if you just look at the second half in overtime and compare that to all of the other second halves and occasional overtimes that he's had, uh, this was the second best second half that he's had in his career with the wow. top one being a game from 2011. <laughs> that's remarkable uh i didn't think it was that good but uh i definitely knew it was good um interesting uh nathan uh do the packers have to get geronimo allison more involved after his performance on sunday of course he had the big long uh catch that set up the game-winning field goal in overtime i think he's definitely earned a little bit more playing time uh this was definitely the best game of his career he had that amazing catch in overtime uh, where he did a lot after the catch, and the catch itself was good. So um, along with that, a couple of first downs. Uh, the only thing that stopped him from being on the PFF team of the week is uh, he also had a drop pass in there and then a poor screen block at one point in the game. So um, definitely deserving of more playing time, but it, right now it's hard for me to see him as more than the fourth wide receiver if everyone is healthy. I think Jordy Nelson is, clear that, is still the clear top receiver on the team, and Cobb and Adams have both had really good games like this at some point in the past, even if they haven't had a single play as good as Allison's in, play, in overtime. So um, while I think he deserves a bigger part of the rotation, I think I would still want to see a little bit more before he starts seeing more playing time than Adams or Cobb, assuming everyone is healthy. Yeah, uh, at least it's uh, good news for Geronimo Allison and trending in the right direction. 
Uh, looking at the defensive side of the football, Nathan, can you break down the play of Josh Jones and how we fared in each phase of the game? Run support, pass coverage, and pass rush. Uh, I think everybody saw the pass rush this past Sunday. Uh, sure. First off, I just want to note how interesting it was that the Packers were using basically four safeties on the field every play, which is something that almost is never done in the NFL. And when it is done on a couple plays, it doesn't typically happen for the entire game, which the Packers did. So that in itself was interesting. But Jones, his performance, uh, he had eight stops total in the game. So tackles where um, he put the offense at a disadvantage so that was just the 12th time in the past 12 years that we've seen a safety have eight or more stops in the game so that was pretty remarkable um he didn't grade out quite as well as those stops and tackles would indicate um in the run game he graded out above average since he had a couple of those uh good tackles in the run game but also a couple more plays where uh, he was blocked and you don't typically want to see a safety blocked on those kind of plays so um graded out a little above average in the run game um, just with those uh, sacks, he's you typically don't see safeties rush the passer that often, so he's grading out as one of the best uh, pass-rushing safeties on the season just from those couple of plays. And then in coverage, uh, graded out right around average. Um, again, had a couple of good tackles there, uh, tackles after the catch where they were either for a short gain or a loss, but he did allow a first down in coverage and then was also part of a miscommunication, which led to a touchdown, so... Um, overall, he was one of the top safeties of this week, uh, just not quite as high as the tackles when it would indicate just because he was blocked a few times and allowed a few catches. Yeah, you have to wonder how much more the Packers are going to go with that four safety kind of, uh, you know, unit that they have. Is is that going to be something they do full time going forward or what? It's going to be interesting. Uh, Nathan, what what was the breakdown of how the Packers used and rotated outside linebackers Ahmad Brooks and Kyler Fackrell uh, while Nick Perry was out? Sure. First, uh, with Nick Perry out, Clay Matthews moved from left outside linebacker, which is where he was playing those first two weeks, to right outside linebacker, which is where Matthews also played most of last year. So uh, Brooks played almost fully on the left side, and then Fackrell was the top backup to both players. Uh, Brooks saw the majority of the snaps in the first quarter, and then uh, Fackrell saw most of them the rest of the game. Um, over those first 23 snaps, uh, which was the first quarter and early second, it was almost all Brooks and Matthews. And then over the last 38 snaps, Fackrell played in 36 of them, with Brooks only playing in 12. So it seemed like it was mostly Brooks' job early, and then uh, Kyler's late. So uh, Chris Odom also saw a couple of snaps in that mix, and then also worth noting, there were eight plays that were clear pass rush situations where they just had one defensive lineman in instead of two, and then all three of those linebackers were on the field at the same time. So um, I'm not sure how much we'll see of that once Daniels is healthy again, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye out for if the Packers continue to use formations with three outside linebackers at the same time. Yeah, a lot of interesting decisions that Dom Capers made this past week. Finally, Nathan, before we let you go, what's the most important matchup to watch for in tomorrow's Packers game against the Chicago Bears? I think it's the Packers receivers against the Bears cornerbacks, since I think the Bears cornerbacks were probably a big reason that uh, they did well against Pittsburgh this past week. Uh, Prince of Mukamara saw his first action of the year with the Bears and had two pass breakups in that game compared to just one catch allowed. 
Um, Bryce Callahan, their slot cornerback, is allowing just .5 yards per coverage snap, which is the second best for a slot cornerback this year, uh, just behind the Broncos' Chris Harris. And then uh, Marcus Cooper, despite that uh, play that was a little embarrassing, he had uh, three pass breakups in the game where he allowed just uh, one catch in the game compared to seven times he was thrown at. So uh, the cornerbacks have been a big part of why the Bears have been as successful as they have been. So um, I think if the Packers are able to get the best of the cornerbacks, then they'll get the victory in this one. Fantastic. So much good information in this interview, Nathan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Excited to break it down next week and uh, look forward to what the Packers lie ahead in the future. Yeah, thanks as always again for having me, and enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Take care, Nathan. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? There we go. Uh, this is our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. Um, There's good news and bad news for the Green Bay Packers from a health standpoint. The bad news is that the Packers placed two players on injured reserve this week since Sunday's game. We'll start with long snapper Brett Goode, who injured his hamstring. And to give him credit, he finished Sunday's win against the Bengals with it. He went out there injured and snapped on the game-winning field goal while Richard Rodgers, the backup long snapper, was reportedly practicing on the sideline. That is huge. As much of a chip shot as the game-winning field goal was, you don't want a backup long snapper in that situation throwing the timing off. So kudos to Brett Goode for ending potentially his Packers career on a really high note and, and, you know, give him credit for going out there injured and, and, and gutting his way through it. The Packers then came to an injury settlement with Goode on Tuesday, meaning he won't be one of the players to come off injured reserve this year, which really was the right thing to do. Now suffering his second major injury, the Packers can no longer wait for Goode to get healthy. He's a player now past his prime. They just have to move on. And, you know, could they have just allowed Brett Goode to stay on injured reserve? Sure. Uh, But this way he does get an injury settlement. So, you know, really, uh, we probably saw the end of Brett Goode's career in Green Bay. He's a guy who won a Super Bowl with this team. And although he's just a long snapper, probably the person who gets the least attention of anybody on the team, uh, thanks uh, out to Brett Goode for, for you know all the contributions to his team for pretty much uh, the past decade. Uh, and, and not having a single errant snap during that time that led to a turnover. That is remarkable. Thanks, Brett Good, and a former uh, recurring guest on this show, by the way. Um, the, the Packers moved on by signing Tabor Pepper, whom they previously signed in the offseason. 
Frankly, I was a little surprised they didn't re-sign Derek Hart, who they kept over Pepper and played with the Packers in the preseason. But regardless, Pepper is now on the Packers' 53-man roster. He's at least somewhat familiar with the team, and God willing, it should be a pretty seamless transition. Uh, Pepper will be playing for his future. Uh, I can report that he signed a one-year deal with the Packers, so his future with the team is not guaranteed beyond 2017. Not that it'll be difficult to resign him if he does play well because he'll be one of those exclusive rights-free agents. So hopefully that's a motivating factor for him. Uh, Now we'll turn to the offensive line and Kyle Murphy, which I think caught people by surprise. I know it caught me by surprise considering he played through the game on Sunday. But Murphy was placed on injured reserve with a foot injury meaning he'll be out at least eight weeks and possibly end his season. The Packers already have three offensive linemen on injured reserve, and only two can be activated. The others are Jason Spriggs and Don Barclay, and they figure to be ready before Kyle Murphy. Not that I'm ruling anything out at this point. It's difficult to say what the Packers have in Murphy. I thought he played okay, perhaps even well, in his debut at right tackle. Most definitely he played well, um, considering it was his first NFL starting experience. I thought he played poorly at left tackle. Does that mean he'll forever be a poor left tackle in the NFL? Not necessarily. He was put in a difficult situation, but you only get the benefit of the doubt for so long. But here's to hoping Kyle Murphy gets healthy. Get healthy, bud. You're still part of this team in the future, uh, and you'll be going into training camp next year, at the very least competing for a job once again. To replace Murphy on the roster, uh, as we mentioned already, the Packers signed veteran offensive lineman Ulrich John off the Arizona Cardinals practice squad. Basically, the Packers were desperate. At, at this point, they likely wanted someone for whom this wouldn't be their first NFL rodeo. John, as we talked about with Nathan Yankee, he actually started three games for the Cardinals last season and played in two games for the Miami Dolphins in 2015. I think only one he played on offensive line. The other may have been just special teams. Um, In a perfect world, John is an emergency fill-in, which brings us to the Packers injury report. And here's where the good news comes in. The Packers only had one player that didn't practice on Tuesday. Those that did manage to practice, albeit on a limited basis, were tackles David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga. Of course, it would be nice if either or both of them were able to play Sunday. But if the Packers don't want to suffer a setback, Balaga already had to come out against the Bengals. Um... Mike McCarthy, Packers head coach, said in a press conference, anyone that didn't practice in at least a limited basis by Tuesday probably wouldn't play. So to at least potentially have both starting tackles out there 
would be huge for the Green Bay Packers. The last thing they want to do is suffer a setback with either of them. So if they're not ready to go, I don't expect the Packers to take chances. You've probably got, you know, I, I, I would just on the basis of Brian Balaga being injured in this past Sunday's game against the Bengals by virtue of him not being available to practice on Monday, um, while David Bakhtiari did practice on Monday, I, I would say Bakhtiari is is the better chance of the two of playing, I would guess, knowing that he also, I mean, every player is going to get this, but he's going to have 10 days to recover after this game to get even better from his injury. Um, so, so you could be looking at a situation where it would be David Bakhtiari at left tackle, and then once again, Jordan McRae, uh, filling the the stopgap role at right tackle as he's done now two times previously, one start against the Falcons, and, and this past week against the Bengals in in, in a backup role. Um, so at least Jordan McRae is getting you know an opportunity there, and, and he's g- gaining experience there. That that can only be a good thing for him as he learns from his mistakes and and tries to get better at it. Um, it's possible both, you know, Bakhtiari and Balaga will play. It's just hard to say how much the Packers are willing to, you know, risk and put them out there and risk further injury. Uh, I just don't know how much they'll want to do that. Uh, but they can look at it through the lens. Whereas let's go ahead, play, uh, and, uh, you get 10 days off after this game before our next one. Uh, as they kind of get the the mini bye week, so to speak, after the early Thursday night game. Um, as as far as a game prediction goes, oh, I guess before I get to the game prediction, I just mentioned the only player then that has not practiced at all this week, limited, full, or whatever, uh, is cornerback Devon House. So it would appear that. Devon House, once again, will not play as he didn't the previous uh, game here against the Bengals either. So he would appear to be out uh, for a second consecutive game, uh, but at least Kevin King, uh, although he had a learning experience against the Bengals and A.J. Green, I think he's up to the job uh, and up to the task of, of filling House's shoes for the time being. So don't expect House to play. He's the only one who I can pretty much firmly rule out at this point. So that's good. Uh, the other guys are at least practicing, and I don't know how much of a um, how much the Packers will be willing to risk with a guy as valuable as Mike Daniels. That'll be interesting to see as well. But House probably out. Now getting to the game prediction, and and seeing as we didn't have any Monday show, uh, I just wanted to remind everyone what was the theme for the Bengals game. As we talked about it here at Railbird Central, the theme was escape, and escape the Packers did against the Bengals. It took overtime to get there. It took uh, the Packers needing to, uh, you know, come back in comeback fashion in the second half. Uh, so those were all big things, and and they escaped with the win, and they're now two and one. So that's very good for the Packers. You know, looking ahead to the Bears game. The Packers might not be 100% by Thursday, 
but they should be healthier than they were this past Sunday. And I think that bodes well for the team. Looks like Randall Cobb's going to play after um, after sitting out against the Bengals. He said that he anticipates playing. Um, it, you know, if the Packers were playing the Falcons right now in Week 4, I wouldn't think they'd win. But they're not. They're playing the Bears, who aren't pushovers. The Bears have been surprisingly competitive in every game this year. But this is a Packers team that's coming off a momentum-building overtime win this past week, and I think that's got to count for something. And it certainly doesn't hurt that they're playing at home on short rest. I'd be scared if this one was on the road, but it's not. With, with these young players starting to gain experience, I think that will only pay dividends. Uh, how much of a dividend it will pay off immediately, I'm not sure. Uh, but that's a good thing down the road. And I do think the Packers come away with a 28-17 victory over the Bears. And, it, you know, you know, they win by double digits, I'm saying. But it might be one of those things where the Packers pull away late. Uh, you know, it might be a one-score game until late in the fourth quarter, and then they put it away with a pun- with a punctuation touchdown late in the fourth quarter. That's the way I think this game plays out. But I think the Packers go into their mini bye week three and one. You're a quarter of the way through the season, and that's the way I think uh, it could happen. So uh, I think that's good news for the Green Bay Packers if they can win. Uh, and you definitely build some momentum as uh, you come away from two straight home games and then have to go on the road, and um, that's the way I see it playing out. So let's hope it works out that way for Green Bay. The day ahead. The Green Bay Packers on Wednesday will put out their final injury report of the week. You know, it's a little bit different than if they were playing the typical Sunday game where, you know, the the final uh, you know injury report comes out two days before the game. So anyway, they'll put out the injury report. They'll put out all their game day projections and all that. So by the end of the day, we should have a little bit better idea as to who may play and who may not. And then the Packers on Thursday, of course, it is this uh, Thursday night game. And they now got the online streaming options and uh, NFL Network involved. So there's a whole bunch of different ways to watch this game. And to be honest, I'm not even exactly sure how it's all going to work out Um in terms of how you can watch it and if you're in a local market or not and do you have to have the subscription and and all those kind of things uh but it will be on Thursday evening and uh enjoy the game folks and uh hopefully we're coming away with a Packers victory so we'll see you later everyone enjoy the game and uh we'll recap it on Friday morning here at Railbird Central Thank you to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com for being our guest on the show. And uh, we'll see you later. On behalf of everyone at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Carvu. We'll see you later. I leave you today with a song called Velvet Red by Conspirator on Psy Fidelity Records. And go, pack, go.